and welcome everyone to FH Uniquely, where we highlight the scholarly, religious, athletic, and creative work of Fried Hardeman students, staff, and faculty. This podcast is operated by the students of FHU's chapter of Sigma Tau Delta, the International English Honor Society. I'm your host, Professor Derek Spradlin of the Literature Department. Along with me today is uh, sophomore Spanish and English major Nathan Roberts to help do the interview here. And we are joined today uh, by five students and one professor uh, who all went on a mission trip to New Zealand uh, this summer. We have uh, Dr. Kevin Moore here with us, along with uh, junior Mary Beth Hall, a special ed psychology major, and Callie Johnson, a senior psychology major. Miriam Sparks, a junior majoring in social work. Brendan Butler, a sophomore majoring in theater stage production and design. And senior Josh Hester, a Bible major. Uh, and this past summer, uh, May to June 2018, uh, Dr. Moore and Dr. Gary McKnight led a mission trip to New Zealand. Uh, they had 34 total people on the trip, and 24 of them were Freed Hardeman students. Uh, so as we begin, Dr. Moore, could you summarize your experience uh, with the work in New Zealand, uh, kind of what's the scope of what's going on there, what's your history with it, how long have you been involved, that kind of thing? Right. Uh, well, I go all the way back to 1987. When I first moved to New Zealand, obviously I was very young then. <laughs> and uh, altogether, I lived in New Zealand for 16 years. Both of my daughters were born in New Zealand. And so whenever we go back, we're going back home. And since I'm the director of the Mission Studies program here at Free Hardman, I want to get as many Free Hardman students involved in that work as possible. And so uh, we were uh, taking campaign groups there every year. But uh, it's so expensive, and I couldn't afford to take my family every year. So uh, the past few years, we've been doing it every other year. So we usually go in the summers of the even years for a three-week campaign. Okay. Nathan, I'll hand it over to you. Um, just as a clarifying question, um, Dr. Spradlin said that you were there May to June. Were you there both um, the full two months, or how did that work? Well, as far as the entire campaign group, uh, we left uh, a week after Free Harvest graduation. We had three high school students with us, so we had to wait until they were finished. So we went to the end of May, and then uh, the bulk of the group came back early June after three weeks. And then my family and I stayed another three weeks to uh, catch up with some people. Right. Um, what kind of mission work are you involved with there? Um, what did you do specifically this summer? Right. Well, this was mainly uh, an evangelistic campaign. Uh, we uh, divided our group into four smaller teams because a group that size would just overwhelm any one congregation in New Zealand. <laughs> and so we had one group working in the north part of the North Island, uh, Auckland and Hamilton. Uh, we had another group working with... Uh, Palmerston North and Wanganui congregations, another group in New Plymouth, and then another group in the Lower North Island with Wellington and Porirua. And so most of these uh, uh, campaigns were focused on letterboxing, which is distributing uh, printed materials uh, to people's homes, followed up by door knocking, uh, setting up and conducting Bible studies, and after that three-week period, of all the congregations we work with, over 70 personal Bible studies have been set up. Um, did you guys, um, opening it up a little bit more, um, 
what kind of stuff did you guys do? Is there anything in particular you enjoyed? Um, anything you focused on in your own groups? Um, I was in the group that was in uh, in Palmerston North. It was a lot of door knocking, um, which was really new to me because I've done door knocking in the States and it's mostly in inviting to like a gospel meeting or something. But this was uh, like door knocking and asking the people that you've never met at the door if they believe in God and where they think their soul is going to spend eternity, which is kind of terrifying. <laughs> but um, it became easier uh, the more that we did it. And I really learned to enjoy it and it helped me like appreciate evangelism for what it really is supposed to be. And um, it helped me like value more like what what we do as evangelists is not is to actually go to people and talk to them and not just like hope that it comes up in a conversation, but to like directly go to them and say, Hey, I want to talk about the Lord with you. That was really neat. So what were Miriam some of the reactions to that when you <laughs> knocked on their doors? <laughs> All sorts. Um, we had some profanities. <laughs> we had some doors slammed in our faces. Um, we had one guy that was just yelling like stuff that I couldn't even like. We could not understand what he was saying. And finally, he just slammed the door, and we were like, "All right, bye." Um, <laughs> there was those houses that you knew to just kind of be like, "Thank you," you know, "Have a good day." A lot of people were just not interested, but sometimes you could get in a good conversation. That was the point of the questions where they were open ended. They weren't like you know yes or no. It was just. Why? Why do you think this way? And not like, here's us trying to force what we believe on you. We want to talk about what you And so you would get people talking for 20, 30 minutes or more just about why they why they believe in God or why they don't believe in God. And they, you know, tell their life story about, you know, the loss that they had experienced that hadn't, you know, turned them away for the hypocrisy that they might have encountered or something or why. You know, you just got all sorts of responses. And it was really interesting because people were actually very open to it once you got to, to talk to some of them. Callie, you're shaking your head in agreement. What do you want to add to that? <laughs> um, well, I was also on the North part of the trip. Um, and it was kind of the same experience for me in the sense that I had not really done that type of mission work before. Um, I ran into a lot of people that weren't interested or, yeah, a few threw some words at us, not so choice. Um, a bunch of different people, sometimes they thought we were from different, they would always ask what like church, I guess, affiliation we were with, and once they found that out, they were either okay with it and open with it, or after that question, they kind of shut us down. Um, it also kind of depended on what day we went, and on the weekend, there were more people at home, so we ran into much more people willing to speak to us. Um, yeah, kind of ran into a whole bunch of different people. But um, did anyone else, maybe outside of the door knocking, um, have any like memorable interactions? Well, Mary Beth and I, Wellington, where you grew up, and it rained a lot while we were there. Like, the most that it ever has previous mission trip is what uh, the person in charge of us told us. So we spent a lot of time working inside of the church building at Wellington. And just how meaningful the members there found that we were just going to buckle down and clean or like I replaced carpet at the Wellington 
It just meant a lot. They're there to help no matter what. So even if we couldn't go talk to them necessarily landscape, we could still do something. Assist me. What is the status of the church like in New Zealand right now? Throughout the entire country, there's about 23 congregations. Uh, they would consist maybe 1,500, no more than 2,000 Christians. Um, some churches would be one or two families that meet together. Other congregations would have anywhere from 70 to 80 members. Um, all of the churches that we work with were established enough and had each had a full-time worker uh, who could accommodate uh, a group of campaigners. And uh, most of our work has been done on the Lower North Island, and so I feel very good about the work in that area. Uh, other places, uh, churches uh, are a bit weaker, but uh, overall the work is going very good in the areas where we work. Most people listening to this are probably like me and are fairly ignorant uh, about the geography of New Zealand. So you're talking about the number of congregations. Y'all have mentioned several different cities. How far apart uh, were the different groups working there? How far apart are all these congregations? Okay, well, uh, we had a group down in the Wellington area and a group up in the Auckland area. And so if you were to drive from one to the other, it would be about a nine-hour drive. So they were the most spread out. Um, the group... Uh, in Wellington, um, they would have been about a two-hour drive from the group in Palmerston North. And then from Palmerston North to New Plymouth, where we had another group, would be about a three-hour drive. And so the bottom line is uh, Christians are, are very few and far between mm -hmm. in New Zealand. And you have to drive considerable distances um, to get from one community to another where we have a group of Christians. Um, what work i guess um just trying to get reach as many people as you can but is there any particular work that needs to be done in new zealand right now oh absolutely um, plenty of work and that's one of the hard things for my family and i whenever we go back and we see the need uh, we always feel the strong pulls uh, there let me just clarify something i stated earlier the major thrust of these campaigns were evangelistic uh, but uh, our secondary emphasis was on encouraging and building up the, the churches. And uh, that goal was uh, well accomplished while we were there. Uh, that's one of the, the reasons why I continue to organize these groups, because we are able to reach people uh, with the gospel, and that in itself uh, makes it worthwhile. But even more than that, I see the encouragement it gives to these local Christians and the local evangelists. They get the proverbial shot in the arm, uh, and they are so built up uh, as a result of, of our students being there. Guess, it's a motivating factor. Um, so I guess encouragement, but how would, would you add anything for how the role of missionary work plays into the lives of us as students and in the culture of Fried Hartman. Josh, you're a Bible major. Why don't you take a shot at that? What role does mission work play in in the in in student lives here? Um, me, I've grown up in the southeastern United States, so the Bible Belt. So going somewhere where the church is not strong and there's not one on every corner 
is very eye-opening in the sense that it's not normal. It's more normal here to be a, a quote-unquote Christian or to have those morals or to have you know, those values as opposed to over there it's not. So for me, it made me really appreciate the strength of the church here and in my home congregation especially. But also it made me see the need because I've never been to, to somewhere like that. It helped me see the need for going out and for doing mission work in places where the church is very strong. So this might be more speculative. But so in other places, even in America, but in the world where you know, there aren't quite as many you know, churches on every street corner as we might have in the, in the South, uh, how do you think that changes the, the Christians who are there that you were visiting with? Uh, as far as their faith and and kind of we're so here in in the South in America. I mean, where Christianity is just part and parcel of of life. Uh, you know, and there's denominations all over the place and things like that. So I mean, there's there's Christians and Christianity is we're used to it. How how does how do people in places like New Zealand where the church isn't strong? How do they what are the differences that makes in, in, in just how they go about their religious lives, do you think? I personally, when I was there, I saw a, almost a more, a bigger sense of family, specifically with the church that we worked with in Palmerston North. Mm -hmm. Everybody there was, it was just like one big family, and they welcomed us in as one big family. Most of the people there did not grow up in the church vast majority of them came mm -hmm. to the church because somebody came to New Zealand and were missionaries and spoke to them and brought them into the faith and like and so their faith is I wouldn't say stronger but um, it's just they're very passionate very very passionate and most of the people there that we worked with are very much into like they want to reach as many people as they can, and so they're not just strengthening each other as a family and strengthening themselves as the faith that they came to know, but they're very passionate about trying to get more people to understand that because they know what it's like to come from having no faith or a different faith to coming to Christianity, and they want as many people as they can um, to experience that same joy and to be a part of their family. So family is one big thing that I've noticed that's not different, but um, much more heavily influenced in the church. Marybeth, you want to add to that? Um, I think here in the Southeast United States, it's um, being a Christian of all sorts. It's it's a lot more comfy. You can you can be a Christian, and you know your next door neighbor is probably a Christian, and the person at the grocery store you see is probably a Christian. But in New Zealand. Um, we knocked on doors, and you never knew what kind of religion or faith that they had. And so that's like one of the questions, the first question we asked, we would hand them a card. And on the card, there were three There were three questions. Um, do you believe in God? Um, what is your purpose in life? And where would you go after you died? And that was the three questions. And more often than not, um, they would stop at the first question. And that's, that's where we spent the majority of our conversation because maybe they didn't believe in God or 
They weren't sure if they believed in God. And, um, and that was really eye-opening for me because I think if we did the same thing here, we would move on down the questions. We wouldn't start at, do you believe in God? Because people, oh, of course, my grandma believed in God and her grandma believed in God. And, you know, it's, but um, it was very different in New Zealand. And, and to add what Brendan said earlier about, he said it rained all the time. And um, I wish I had taken rain boots. <laughs> but um, one thing that they tried to um, instill in us campaigners in Wellington was that we're, we're going to evangelize everywhere we go. So if we can't go out and walk the streets and knock on doors, we would go to the mall and see who can have a spiritual conversation with somebody in this mall. Because obviously the mall's not out in the rain. So it was easier that way. And, and it was really... Um, a change in perspective than here we have in the South because we we say, okay, we're going to have a gospel meeting and we're going to invite our neighbors and everybody's going to be here. But we went to the mall. We went to um, the movie theater. We went to just places, random places, where there are people because where there are people, there's a need to evangelize. And that was really, really different in New Zealand. And I, I think it's better and we should do that more. You mentioned the rain. Let's step aside from the, the campaigning that you did, uh, but for you students, the, uh, the landscape, the country, what made, it, what made an impression? Describe that for us. It's uphill both ways. Especially in Wellington. Some of the most beautiful you'll ever see in life. Here in the U.S., we have some pretty spots. Sometimes you have to look pretty hard. These people wake up every morning, look out their window, like light. But... We, while I was there, I wake up where my host family on the side of the in bed. So I'd wake up, I'd sit at the breakfast table, I'd look over and just see rolling hills, the bay, the sunlight, and the ocean. It's like, wow. Really can't <laughs> describe it. I try to show uh, people like pictures of it. And I show them, and I'm like, but it's so much prettier. Like, I can't explain to you why, it, like, how it is so much prettier. And uh, it really is the most beautiful. And it was cold. It, it's, um, I mean, they're on the different, in a different hemisphere. So it's the opposite of our weather. So we went, like, early summer. It was, like, early winter for them. So it was cold. And that was, like, like, I expected it to be miserable, and we went to the beach one day. Well, we went several times, but the first time that, like, our group went to the beach, it was so windy and cold and bitter, and we only stayed for, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> but it was the most beautiful thing, just because I I live in, like, North Alabama, so I'm not, I'm, like, several hours from a beach, and my family doesn't take vacations to the beach or anything. And I just remember, like, running down the beach in the freezing cold <laughs> and just like being so happy because it was I mean and that was everywhere like you're just you're always set up just a few hours from a beach if not a few minutes and oh it was the prettiest thing I've ever seen um, so as um, we were talking about a few minutes ago Mission work needs to be done for the sakes of those who don't know the gospel, but we tend to grow spiritually when we engage in mission trips, too. Um, how did your experience in New Zealand change you, your perspective, and help you to grow spiritually? Like Josh mentioned earlier, most of us, not all of us, have grown up where the Bible is very prevalent. Whether or not all held the same, we all 
knew intrinsically before I that we were around it. Now, when we were walking around, one of the neighborhoods said, Wellington is very affluent, nice. And we were talking to them. And just the way that they would disregard it, like, I don't care. There is one, I don't, I don't need any of that. It's just going to make me. That was an eye-opener for me. I've, because of the way I was raised, I've always had this belief that I may not be doing the right thing, but I know there's a God in my life. That I don't care. Which made me feel like I need to be a much better Catholic. I care. For myself and people I care about. That they can care. How did you respond to some of those? How did you? How did some of you respond when you were told things like they just didn't care, didn't need it? Honestly, it was sad because the, these are people we're, we're called to love it. So even if these people just met by the door, you know you care about them as a, as a Christian, as a soul, you worry about where they take to hear that. I don't care. Rather hard. There's kind of a like sudden realization that me right now on your doorstep may be the first and only encounter you really have with Jesus. And it puts a like it's scary because it's a big personal responsibility. You you you're no longer just doing it as okay, I'm going on a campaign and I'm doing it because this is what they want me to do on this campaign. It's I'm doing this because I suddenly realize this is a soul, and this may be the only chance that they get, that they, you know, this is, this is their moment, and when they say, I don't care, it's hard, but also something that we talked about a whole lot um, was that we're here to spread the word. That's our job, is to plant the seed. That's, that's it, and even if all we can do is knock on their door, and they're not even there, and we can just leave some information, we've planted our planted the seed and done our job and it it's sad when they don't respond in a positive way but also we can move on knowing that we're we're fulfilling the great commission and we're going out into the world and we are planting the seed in whatever way we can find it looks like you have something to say kelly um from my perspective for me personally it strengthened me and really uplifted me and gave me a sense of just a greater sense of hope in um, mission work and how effective it really is just because of most of the people in New Zealand that are of the, that do have faith. Um, it came from mission work. Most just hearing a lot of their stories and what they've been through and how they to believe what they um, was just really inspirational because most of us that we know over here in the U.S. grew up in the faith and so hearing the stories of the people that actually were taught about it and brought to it through mission work. Um, it just really encouraged me and really helped me to understand why God called us to do that type of work. Um, going back to the original question of how it changed our perspective, going to New Zealand, I saw a lot of either really hot or really cold and not much 
in between. There's, there's not a lot of lukewarmness uh, in the church there. And coming back uh, to the Bible Belt, where there is a church on every corner, I think we experience a lot more lukewarmness here than they experience over there. So it helped me realize that even though uh, the, the work needs to be done there to spread it, the work needs to be done here to keep us from being lukewarm. You know, Mary Beth used the word comfy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and it, all, it almost, at first, uh, disappointed me a little bit in, in the church here and how it is strong in number, but maybe not as much hotness. <laughs> well, that's another reason we continue to do these campaigns. Because, uh, in my experience, almost without exception, the students that go over there and are involved in these campaigns come back with a passion and a zeal that they didn't have before. And that affects the church here. So it seems to me that uh, the Lord's Church on both sides of the world benefits continuing to do this. Is there anything you'd say to students thinking about going on this mission trip? Go. Do it. <laughs> Go. It, people people ask me, oh, what did, like, when I came back to school, what did you do over the summer? Oh, I worked in this. I went on a mission trip to New Zealand. And, oh, wow, how was that? And I tell them, there's going to be another one in two years. Start saving now and go because it will change the way you see evangelism and the Lord's Church and what you can do. Even when you think there's nothing you can do, there's something you can do. All right, pardon me for being an old fogey, but I need to throw in a qualifier here. We don't advertise these campaigns because uh, this is not a glorified vacation. Mm -hmm. And we don't want just anybody and everybody to go over there because not everybody is cut out to do this type of work. And so what we try to do is hand-select those students who have proven themselves on campus to be spiritually minded, to be uh, relatively mature in the faith. Uh, and we try to take top-notch Christian young people. Uh, they make the biggest impact on the church there, and they come back and make a return. It is destroy any conception have about this trip because I I went over there knowing that it was going to be a mission but it is it is not easy you're you're walking for miles and miles every day <laughs> knocking on doors you get tired you get doors slammed in your face you get frustrated with some people but you have to do your best to stay calm it it is it's a lot harder than most people assume but at the end of the day you're tired, you're sitting there, you're all sweaty from walking around all day. And you get to share the experience of that day's journey with everyone else. There are some really, really awesome stories of conversation, and you're so excited to come by this There are some stories about some really, really not so fun doors that you're not going <laughs> that make everyone else feel a little bit better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard work, but it's definitely something you can definitely. I think we can end on that note. Uh, thank you all for joining us uh, here today.
Uh, and thank you to our listeners for making us part of your day. Uh, and be sure to stay tuned for our next episode of FH Uniquely.